Welcome to Angels Exits and Acquisitions, the place to learn how to fund, scale, exit, and massively profit as an angel investor or entrepreneur. Brought to you by the Angel Investors Network. And now, here's your host, Jeff Barnes. Hello and welcome everyone. This is Jeff Barnes with Angel Investors Network, and you are listening to the Angels Exits and Acquisitions podcast. I want to thank you very much for being here. Now, today we have a special guest as well as a special surprise for you, which is that we have brought on a new co-host, E-Rock Christopher. E-Rock is the founder and CEO of Biz Famous Media Group. He's a business advisory group designed to promote large brands enterprises who are featured in entrepreneur.com, business.com, Thrive Global, Huffington Post, and other major media outlets. E-Rock's an accomplished writer, award-winning speaker, business strategist, and investor. And he's described by his peers as and clients as innovative, vivid, and quick-witted. So I want to thank you, E-Rock, for being here. I really appreciate you being here today. Hey, it's my honor and privilege. Excited to help contribute what I can, where I can to the show. And excited to have an illustrious, amazing guest here. And I'll let you just kind of take the lead on it, sir. Uh, again, it's an honor and privilege. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. appreciate your time and energy here as well. All right. Now, our, our special guest today is no other than Mr. James Dentley. And James is a world-renowned professional speaker, trainer, author, entrepreneur, and business strategist to many notable business celebrities. He's been a successful entrepreneur for over 30 years, helping over 400,000 people throughout the world learn what it takes to become high performers in their business and their personal lives. He has personally helped create over 80 millionaires using his proven success strategies. And furthermore, James has also consulted many companies in the areas of trading, profitability, communication, and leadership development. Welcome to the podcast, James. I'm happy to be here, Jeff. Hey, I am excited to have you here as well. And, and you are the author of the book, Five Frequencies of High Performance, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit, take a little bit of a different approach today and how high performance impacts entrepreneurship and investing, because this whole podcast is all about you know, making the world a better place through the, the positive power of impactful investing, angel investing, and creating entrepreneurs who are successful leaders in their businesses to help everybody out. So I'm really looking forward to this. But James, why don't we go ahead and start with you? Tell us a little bit about your, your past, your history, how you got to where you are, and what led you here today? Wow, I'm going to chop this one up. You know, they say, Jeff, you live life forward, but you understand life backwards. So when I look at the breadcrumbs and I examine those, because um, there's always a recipe that gets that creates an outcome and it creates that final dish that you that you create, which is your life. And I remember, uh, for me, as a very young kid, my mom worked in a grocery store and the daytime at dentist office at night, raising myself and my three sisters as a single parent. And I, and you know, we couldn't afford many things. We would window shop, which means we would go downtown Chicago and look at the window and dream a lot. She took me to see Peter Pan and I expanded my imagination. I wanted to be Peter Pan. I didn't want to grow up. So it was always a thought, not just outside the box today. I know there's no box, but uh, I remember it for me, my entrepreneurship began when I would take her Kool-Aid, get the Dixie cups, take her Dixie cups, put them in the big freezer and freeze them, flip them upside down and sell them for a nickel and a dime. Uh, when I was a little bitty kid, and I'm 62 years old today, and I believe everything comes from somewhere. So as I as I continue my path, I went out to find a job uh, in my second year of high school. I got hired as a as a uh, as a cook at Church's Fried Chicken, and but they only had a full time position. So I would go to work from 6 p.m. and we close at 2 a.m. I get home at 3:30 a.m. and be back to school at 8:30, and that's where I got work ethic and perseverance from, and I enjoyed it. But the thing that I did that can lead to, for entrepreneurs is that I memorized everything. 
I memorized the operations and procedure manual, the policy and procedure manual, repair and maintenance manual. There's things I know about chicken, coals, hard peppers. You don't want to hear that. I can't even get out of my brain. <laughs> so after running a restaurant, it taught me the disciplines and understanding P&L. It also taught me how to work with people. It taught me how to perform. It taught me how to, uh, to be committed to the commitment. When I didn't feel like working, when I was dead tired, I started to get up, started to go to school, started had to work. After a few years, I went to Texas. Well, first of all, at 18, I was the youngest general manager in the company's history, the youngest district and the youngest regional manager. Then I moved to Texas, to Dallas, and I got with a company called Steak and Ale. So now with Steak, Lobster, and Prime Ribs, Jeff, I had a t-shirt that said, marry me and eat for free. <laughs> because I could hook a girl up with free lobster steak, candle down the table, seven dining rooms. I had it done, man. And I'll tell you, people say, what does that have to do with entrepreneurship? Everything. Because as entrepreneurs, a lot of times, especially when you look at the book, The E-Myth, um, we start business, we have this, this idea of, of gander, of things you want to create, but we don't have the disciplines and understanding there's a business there as well, that you have to have the structure, you have to understand P&Ls. I can look at a, a person's P&L statement and, and sell it, their restrooms are dirty, because the way you do little things, the way you do everything. So after running these multi-million dollar restaurants through Dallas, Houston, Midland, Odessa, and Abilene, I learned a lot about people. Because I would be in cities, but for I had 150 employees and nobody else looks like me, but I had the most incredible time. So I learned about people and learned about communication and learned about myself, which is also extremely important, especially in a culture now where analytics drive the valuation of everything. So I decided to come back home and start my own business. I started nightclubs, then I went to restaurants, had beauty salons, I had import-export, I had a construction company, contracting company. And every time I owned the business, it owned me. And I made money. I was very successful in the things I touched, but I wasn't happy because I was trading time for money. I was burning it and I loved it. But then I again go back to Michael Gerber. What happens when you stop loving it and then you're there and now I own the job and I was lost because I was seeking the American dream. I thought I was doing all the right things, but I was never home. So I wasn't a dad. I wasn't a husband. And then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and somebody tricked me to go to a network marketing meeting. I didn't believe in it. Didn't want to hear it. Told him no three times. I got in his car to go to TGI Fridays and watch the Atlanta Braves beat up on my Chicago Cubs. <laughs> he kidnapped me in 1994, puts me in a meeting. I, I was negative throughout the entire meeting, mad because I was there. I just met him two weeks early and the nerve of him. And there was a 23-year-old kid that did the presentation. I was 30, 35, 34. At the end of it, I said, well, I'm going to try it. He said three things that I never forgot. He said a couple of people in that room would take it seriously and Money as an issue would be out of their life forever within two years. Now, I didn't believe it. Now, was, uh, how, how, much, you know, how much does it take for a person to have the audacity to say that? But the one thing I did know, nobody else had ever said it. Nobody said, work real hard for, for two years, you never work again, because I would have had that licked a long time ago. <laughs> he said you could do it part-time, and I'm trying to figure out in my business, I'm working 17 hours a day, so how can I do this part-time and make all this money? And then someone pointed out after I posed a question, we have billionaires in the country, and everybody only has 24 hours a day. Richard Branson doesn't have a 30th hour. So how does that work? So then they had training, and I knew it was something I didn't know. So I got involved just in case it worked, did it part-time. Seven months later, I tripled my income, left my job, helped that company grow from $7 million to $800 million, built a huge team all over the world, and trained uh, audiences up to 20,000 people, and uh, everything was taught internally. And I was, it made about $4.5 million with that company in my state. I decided to start my own company, which I did. I simultaneously launched a success 
education company called NBC University, Networking, Business Building and Coaching. Because I was pretty good at training business owners. I was great at training people and individuals how to perform and how to communicate with them so I can speak into their listening and get them to respond because they can buy in to the vision because all I gave them, they're saying, I painted a picture and put themselves in their picture. I showed them how to get, how to create their own movie of their mind and their life and, and taught them that they can tell the future if they're going to write it. And it will work, you know, but we started a network marketing company. I was a CEO. I had a success education company. I would train speakers as well uh, for 20 plus years. And it was happy. It was, it was great, but then I was unhappy. I'm back working 80 hours a week trying to be the CEO. And I don't, I'm not making any money because I had to put it back in. And I said, wait a minute, what is this? And then it hit me. Reality came because my stepdad got cancer and he passed away. Then my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Right. My first wife at 44 had cancer. She passed away. My mom had to have surgery, two of them. And I realized at that point I didn't have to work a job, but I needed to be a dad, needed to be a son. And really got my perspective, my, my life back into perspective. And uh, I began to come back home and write programs to teach people how to create success, how to be a leader, how to overcome self-defeating behaviors, how to, it's amazing, Jeff, that nobody even understood the definition of time, let alone not know what time means, or time <laughs> management, but we all know it's important. So I would teach these things and uh, just start building platforms. Today, fast forward, I've actually written four books, but uh, today we have a contracting company, we have a real estate investing company that we own and operate. I train speakers and business owners. I create uh, events for the business accelerator events to help business owners to thrive, to create that. We're heavily invested in nonprofits and I believe right. every company should attach themselves to a worthy cause, a worthy ideal that, that's truly authentic. And uh, I'm sure I do stuff. Oh, and I still do part-time with MLM and, and make a seven-figure residual for the last six years in a row. And, and that's the foundation of it helps me soar. We still invest, we do other things. and. Uh, we have some lofty goals, but we're taking a lot of people with us. Man, I love that. I love that. that that's that's quite the journey there, James. I mean, you know, it's it's unfortunate you had all those setbacks, and you know, I wouldn't even call them setbacks, but just personal uh, challenges you had to overcome because a lot of people just throw in the towel at that point and give up. You know, but you know, kudos to you for continuing going and figuring it out. So well done. <laughs> oh my God! Look, I didn't, you didn't even know the half of it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that was the Cliff Notes version, right? That's it. Reader's Digest. You said something at the very beginning of that, which is the recipe creates the outcome. And I love that. So I, I'm a Star Trek fan, right? And I, I love Star Trek. I grew up watching that stuff. And now they have the new series out called Picard. And um, there's a scene, and I'm not going to ruin it for anybody who hasn't watched it and wants to watch it. But there's a scene in there where this guy replicates it, all these ingredients to make chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. And then he puts them all together and he makes the recipe and he makes chocolate chip cookies in an actual oven. And uh, the girl he's with looks at him like he's crazy. Like, well, why didn't you just replicate the chocolate chip cookies and make it that way? And that's immediately what came to my mind when he said the recipe creates the outcome, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people, especially in business or in even in investing and all this, they want to go straight to the end, right? They want to mm -hmm. go straight to the success. They just want the chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. But it's all the ingredients of the recipe that create that outcome, that create that success. And obviously it took you a little while to figure it out. Like you said, you're going into a meeting, listening to a 23 year old guy talk about this stuff. And uh, while you were already older than him, but you decided to put the work in. And so fast forward to today, right? You're, you're, you're helping all these successful people. You're looking at them. You're, you're talking to them about building a successful business. Maybe you're investing in them. What is it that you're looking at from a recipe standpoint for these people? 
to help you understand whether or not they're going to be a good bet, if you will, you know, somebody that you want to invest your time and energy into. Yeah. Well, just like with you with your incredible angel investing company and your platform, you know, you understand tendencies, the way you do little things, the way you do everything, the same way they look at credit scores, you know, so you can find out what a person's habits are and their habits are linked back to the paradigm and the paradigm. Some of it's genetic and some of that is uh, experience, what you live, you learn, what you learn, you practice and what you practice, you become. So it's really, first of all, do you have clarity of message? Clarity is such a big thing, Jeff, because everybody wants uh, a better life. Everybody does, but they don't have clarity on it. So sometimes we don't really have total belief. And the thinker thinks and the prover proves. So what does a prover prove? Well, whatever the thinker thinks. So if you have doubt, 1% doubt, you're out. You have to have a, a vision and you have to lock into it, even if there's no understanding on how you're going to get there. I always talk about the story of little Johnny, who's in third grade and he's, he's in art class. He's drawing a picture, Jeff, and the teacher looks over his shoulder and says, Johnny, what are you drawing? And Johnny says, well, I'm drawing a picture of God. The teacher smiles. She says, Johnny, nobody knows what God looks like. And Johnny says, they will in a minute. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to have a vision. And when you have the clarity of mind, then you have to understand that, you know, you have to go on a journey. You know, every single day, there's tens of thousands of people that are fed up at their cubicle, fed up in their profession fed up and coming out of school, fed up because they can't find the, their path. And they go on this, this journey to sign, sign entrepreneur. And many people never even get out the parking lot. They make an excuse. Some get to the bottom of the mountain and they argue and fuss and, and think they're unprepared and say, what is this, what is that? And they don't start. Some go up the mountain and when the first avalanche comes, which is doubt, hurt, fear, worry, things that will happen that need to happen to make you better for you to win, a lot of people don't understand the significance of that. They turn around. Uh, very few keep going, but then some people just keep going. And I never met a winner that didn't expect to win. They just persevere. It, it's, like, it's like you see a kid and he's on a school track team. You look out your window, the kid's running. And every day he's running. You hear the kid sprain his ankle, but soon enough you see he's out there hobbling around, still on the thing, <laughs> running. It's raining as he's running. It's snowing he's running. Then you would say, wow, this kid has the chance to be a really great track star because he has immersed himself he's created a ritual for himself he's created a habit and it's so instinctive when you trust your instincts you operate at a higher level and then your instincts trust you and then you opt then you start operating at an optimum level which opens up possibility for you to take you to a level that you can't even understand that's waiting for you that you have to grow into i love that i love that there's a a quote that i resonate with which is you know luck Luck comes at the intersection of opportunity and preparation, right? Yeah. And most people just look at it as good fortune or good luck, but most people also don't realize that there's opportunity all around us all the time, every single day. And what you were just talking about is the preparation piece, right? Mm -hmm. Most people don't spend the time, you know, you know Lincoln's or uh, Washington, I can never remember which one, that spend the time sharpening the ax, right? Amen. They spend the majority of their time looking for the opportunity not realizing they're coming all the time, but they're just not ready for it. Yeah. And what is it, you know, you actually obviously had to go through a lot of this stuff yourself. I'm sure you, you learned the hard way, just like everybody else, but mm -hmm. you probably got to learn from other people's successes and failures as well. Oh yeah. So how do you help other people kind of see that um, when maybe they don't already have that, you know, the entrepreneur who says, you know, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go. I got my vision. 
um, and they're trying to make this vision happen. But maybe you're looking at it and go, well, you know, maybe you're not ready for that yet. Maybe that's not, you know. And, and I want to just add to that, like going back to the recipe reference, because I love that question, Jeff, is what do you think is an expansion of what Jeff just asked is what's like kind of like a key ingredient that you think is missing for most of these executives today in kind of alignment with Jeff just, just asking? Well, there's two questions. Okay, so we're going to go. The main thing, what you just said, Arad, is that uh, communication is everything because we live in an era where with Me Too, and we live in an era where we have millennials, we live in an area where people are being politically correct, and then we have to be even more correct on top of the correctness. Uh, the way things have been done is to shift. And we're seeing a lot of people in very powerful situations that used to be able to say certain things, do certain things, or create a, a certain culture, but it wasn't a buy-in situation. It was a, this is how we do it. It was dictated in the funnel down. Before the one-minute manager book, people, managers would scream at their employees for the most part. And then they just hollered at their employees. So everybody was treated like dogs. You get used to it. You get used to anything, any environment you'll get used to. So I want to kind of weave in two different things that you said. First of all, when a person, I mean, everybody wants a better life. Everybody wants a good life for the family. They, we pretty much want to, whether I was in Midland, Odessa, or if I'm in Egypt, or if I was in Spain, or no matter where, Chicago, New York, we all want the best life we can get. And we want to make sure our children are safe that we have love, acceptance, but that we find purpose. Yes, sir. And a lot of times people don't believe in themselves and that's a whole nother question. But as a race car driver, I met a young a lady who's, uh, she's a trained professional car driver. This is what she said. She said, before I teach uh, all my race car drivers want to win, she said, but before I would teach you how to win, I must teach you how to finish. Now, Finishing means endurance. Finishing means understanding that when you're going around this track, that race car track, that car and your life is going at 220, 240 miles an hour around a curve, and you are going to lose control. You know, Jim Rohn said it's not the blowing of the wind. It's the set of the sail because the wind, the wind blows on us all. So you're going to lose control of the car. The key is that don't focus on the wall. Don't focus on the pole. Don't focus on what you don't want that's in front of you. That hardest shows in front of you. You always turn your head where you want the car to go. So the key is, what do you look at? How strong is your vision? And you change your life by the people that you spend time around and the books you read. Now, you can listen to audio books. We happen to have a YouTube out here. But when you're reading, you're invoking different parts of your nervous system into this process. You're learning in a lot of different ways because you got to get your mind to respond, but then you need to get your body to respond alongside of that. Because sometimes, you know, a person can get out of depression by shifting the way they hold their body. So the body speaks and the mind speaks. So first of all, understanding that the adversities that you have, they're normal, but they are there to serve you and build you. When I was diagnosed um, a few years ago with cancer, it was pretty serious. and I've been cancer-free now for two years without chemo or without surgery. Man, I love doing that. Congratulations. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Well, I'm so thankful. It was really a gift because during that journey, I realized that, you know, you meet people, if I have, if, if somebody said they have cancer before I can pray with them, but I don't know, what to, I, now I can say, I know how you feel. You know, when I was on hormones and, and I would get these hot flashes, I would sit on the couch on my mother's couch next to my three sisters and we fan each other. We just <laughs> fan real hard. Everybody needs to be but it creates the empathy. It creates a different way. And when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change for you. you know, so that was a gift for me. But through the cancer, because of what I had been through previously, 
I never stop, I never give up. When I'm dog tired, I lay my head in the pillow and still do a conference call and still and don't make excuses for it. Even though, I mean, this, I can take a rest if I want to, but I will still, I never let my family see me slow down. I never let them see me stop going. And through that, being just natural, you know, doing what came natural to me, my respect my family and people around me had was a different level. Now that gave other people permission to grow through their stuff because we all going to have stuff. But if I got the sale and I got the ore and I got a, a good GPS and clarity of mind of where I want to go, and I keep uh, investing in mentors such as you gentlemen, you know, because we all help each other grow as body as iron shoppers, iron men shopping each other, you know, as we continue to grow and go, then you keep going and you keep giving. And the next thing you know, you get to the point where you get to this quiet intensity where the power sits there and there is no pretense. There is no ego. You greet each day with love in your heart. You sharpen your ax. So, you know, you sharpen ax, you know, the tree's going to fall a lot quicker. And that's what uh, Stephen Covey said. If I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend four sharpening that ax. So you prepare, but you always, you, all, you never feel like you got it all. Because life and in business, especially, is like walking up an escalator that's coming down. The moment you stop walking, you lose the ground, baby, because they're thinking of some stuff right now while we're talking. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? <laughs> so I want to, you know, you said vision is absolutely important, uh -huh. vital to the success of the entrepreneur, of the business itself. And we talk about this when we're coaching our entrepreneurs on how to go out there and raise capital and whatnot. We talk about their vision. Mm -hmm. And most of them, they're clear about their vision. They, in their mind, makes perfect sense. Yeah. However, they have to communicate that vision. That's right. Now, are there any tools or strategies or the things you, you help people with when they're like, okay, yeah, I know exactly where I'm going, right? I mean, I think back to, say, Steve Jobs when he's creating Apple, you know, back in the 80s and, you know, late 70s. And no one has a clue that this stuff could even exist. Personal computing, having all the stuff at your fingertips, even an option or a possibility. So they can't see the vision, right? Or you think back to Henry Ford. No one knew what an automobile was before <laughs> Ford and Stanley. And so they just thought of cars and horse-drawn carriages. They couldn't see the same future that the visionary entrepreneur could see. Yeah. So what do you tell those entrepreneurs that have a crazy vision? And they're so clear and they're so gung-ho. They're going to do it no matter what. They're going to pursue it but they're so caught up because they don't have clarity and they can't communicate the message properly. Yeah. How do you help those folks? First of all, we look at what their intention is. Your intention is to, to build a team or your intention is to get capital. You have to, you never let what you want to say get in the way of what they need to hear. Because at the end of the day, and when it comes to a business transaction, uh, there's certain things, if I'm coming to you for money or it's investment support or even your network, there's certain things that you're looking for and it doesn't have to be what I'm looking for. That's my vision. You're looking at it from a different strategy. It's a business opportunity at this point. At this point, this is a business transaction. So I've got to be able to get clear, concise, and to identify what it is that you're going to need to be able to make a quality decision to enroll and invest in going further in my vision. So the first thing, don't give a person a drink of water with a fire hose, number one. Number two, identify your core values. Your core values will never, ever, if you have a vision and you're, and it's, you're locked into it, your core values are really going to be the determining factor of who's going to open up the door for you. Who are you? And because when you're building a business or uh, anything, there's a culture, which is energy, which is part of my book, The Five Frequencies. You're putting a frequency out there. 
Frequency will give you clarity because when you lock into a frequency, let's say if I want to talk to you and I say, okay, I know, first of all, I got 20 seconds to get this person's attention, not, a, not 30 minutes. I've seen so many people talk to me about their vision and they tell me all the things that are, sound cute, but I wasn't interested in any of them because they took too long saying the right things. Okay. So they got to learn how to ask themselves the right questions. They got to do their homework and they got to be able to put this into a simple plan that in, tw in two minutes, two minutes, you got to be able to communicate this daggone thing. And then you bring it out to 20 minutes and then you're going to have a plan that's two hours. But if I lose you in the first two minutes, that's going to affect the next 20. So you step like that. Okay. The other thing is to realize that, that you can do it. There's a way to do it. So you have to learn to ask yourself the right questions. We always talked, I talked about the recipe. We mentioned this earlier. Success is like great, being able to create a great cake. Once you know how to create the cake, you can bake it in any kitchen. So seek help. Don't try to figure it out all by yourself. There's a lot of resources you can get online. There's a lot of people out there that have already done it. Uh, for example, a good friend of mine, he sold his company for about $360 million. He said, James, 10, 12 million, that's easy. You, you want to get to 100 million, let me come show you how to do it. So I love what you stand for. I'll teach you because it's a different mindset. You set it up totally different. Well, and I had this crazy goal of, hey, it's not crazy, but I just said that for the folks that are already, they create a multi-billion dollar company, okay? And, and how I want to do it and have clarity and we're going to get it done. But, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So you start at the end, you say, okay, how do I break this down? So it's really about learning how to create the right plan and to speak into the listening. Because if you were at my talk uh, that I did at this uh, city summit, I talked about personality types. I talked about voice inflection, but then there's a listening kind of uh, part, uh, a part of that uh, that fits perfectly in that puzzle. So you're listening and that person will tell you what has to be said next, but you got to know what they want to enroll them into what you want to do. So, so what's going to be the plan? If you're stuck, then ask the right questions because when a person is stuck, it's not because of what they can't do. It's because usually what they won't do and they have to slow down and ask for help. I love what you just said. And I, I actually like typed this up as a note already. Don't let what you need to say get in the way of what they need to hear. Yeah. And I was on a call yesterday with, uh, with a company seeking capital with a potential investor and he actually gave them the fire hose. Like, I love what you said that there was a drink of water that was needed and there was a fire hose and it was a long diatribe. And so I love how you uh, encapsulated the, the essence of how do you capture their attention? So they're kind of on the hook to pay attention for the rest of the details. Yeah, yeah. The, the irony is brevity, right? Like brevity actually helps. And we always talk about yeah. um, the, the pitch or the presentation, you know, people are like, no, I need 20 minutes. Well, if you can't sell them the first two, then you don't need 20. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> the irony on this call is I could, I could sit and talk about this stuff with you all day, James, but we get, we're, we're drawn to the end. So I have two final questions for you. Yes, sir. First question to close it out is what was your favorite mistake that you made or learned most from either as a business owner or investor? And then the second is, how can people learn more about you and where can they go to find you? Got it. All right, here we go. All right, you're going to love this, and this is going to be the most fruitful thing I can give you. I was super successful. I'm speaking in front of audiences, 20,000 people at a time. Life was great. And I still didn't feel like I was enough. I still didn't feel like I was successful. Uh, I went into a depression after speaking in Long Beach, California in uh, maybe 2004. It's all on YouTube. And when I got, I got four standing ovations, I go home and I go into depression and I began to drink. 
And the, the, my best mistake that served me the most was becoming a full-blown alcoholic, just doing that. Because when I got that, first of all, I didn't understand why me. I could solve everybody else's issue, but I had no place to go myself. So I didn't understand, number one, how to take care of myself proactively. I didn't understand that. Number two, when I went there, I was so beat up. I was so, I beat myself up. I, I was like, I was so embarrassed. I called my family together and, and we got together, found a place for me to go. And I said, well, I need to go away because I'm not able to stop. I was smart enough to know that I can't fix me. And I don't know why for the first time. And I remember driving out there, guys. And I remember feeling like dirt. It reminded of Helen Keller when he said, how did it feel to be deaf and dumb when you could not communicate? She pointed to a plant. They said, it felt like the plant. She said, no, like the pot of dirt. And there I was, and all these things came back. Now, in that humility, I found the power because I began to build programs from that. And I realized that everybody gets sick in some shape, form, or fashion. And those programs that I've been teaching people how to overcome self-defeating behaviors, unpack your bags and let's go, how to break through. I was in these meetings with, with CEOs of companies, airline pilots, and the person that, didn't, that worked at the grocery store. And we all were in the same situation. I built programs from that. But then I realized that God had to be bigger than just that. And I began to build things. And because I've been able to help people, I've been able to keep myself exactly what I need to do and keep growing, excelling, and not beat myself or go through the same mistakes over and over and over. That greatest thing that took me down to nothing, I gave it all up to get everything back. That was the greatest lesson for me because it keeps me grounded, it keeps me humble, it lets me love other people and appreciate my life, your life, and everyone that I meet. I love all people because every day is a great day. Some, some are just better. People can contact me by going to, uh, well, I have a radio show every today, three o'clock Eastern Standard, The James Dentley Show. So they can reach me at JD at thejamesdentleyshow.com. JD at thejamesdentleyshow.com. Uh, they can reach me there or through James Dentley at NBCUniversity.com. And we have a business accelerator. So if you come by Chicago and you want to see what some of my, my, my uh, very successful people like the Jeff Hoffman's in the world and Isaiah Thomas's, the Ray Lewis's, and, and, and come there and learn from these people, Frank Schenker, which will make a wish, simply go to businessaccelerator2020.com. Business Accelerator2020.com. We're going to be giving away a new Mercedes in our next event in June. So pretty excited about that. Yeah. Nice. Wonderful. Well, James, I really appreciate it. And that was a great story. I just love hearing that stuff. Like I said, I could talk with you all day about stuff like this. Just absolutely love it. I know our listeners appreciate it too. Um, I just want to, again, show sincere gratitude. Thank you very much for being here, taking time out of your busy schedule. I really do appreciate it. Um, E-Rock, any last comments before we wrap up here? Just want to say, Mr. Dentley, thank you for just being transparent about your journey. And I know that I've got a page full of notes that uh, I'm excited to incorporate in, in my own business and our own investing processes. So thank you. Yeah, well, most people quit before it's time to win. Don't give up. Seek mentorship. Always learn to get better. And, and uh, don't beat yourself up, man. Just learn to love you. Learn to love yourself, even to be perfect inside those imperfections. There's always a way. There's always a way to make it happen. And sometimes your biggest mistakes will lead you to same thing with post-it notes, same thing with the uh, silly putty. I mean, all these people, things were failures and people got rich and had a lot of fun because of something that went wrong. So when things go wrong, just don't go wrong with it. Love it. Awesome, James. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll be talking with you again soon, I'm sure. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Take care. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Angels, Exits, and Acquisitions with your host, Jeff Barnes, brought to you by the Angel Investors Network. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Go to www.angelnetwork.com for tools, resources, show notes, and more, as well as our free training on how to become a successful angel investor and entrepreneur.